myself again But it's the only way you're ever gonna learn You look back and it's all in the past I'm dwelling on the thoughts I cannot say to you If I don't say the words that maybe Evening, everybody. Um, I'm nothing if not thorough. And over the years, I have uh, amassed uh, quite a collection of newspaper clippings over and about a lot of famous Newcastle faces, uh, whether that be the Sayers, the Conroys, the Harrisons, the Tams, you name it. I've always been quite thorough. I've always had an interest in Northeast crime, as I'm sure a lot of you who tune into this podcast probably have. Obviously, I've gone a step further over the years. I've written books, uh, done documentaries, um, but I've just got a general interest in true crime. And I would say it's probably an obsession. Is it an unhealthy obsession? Is it a healthy obsession? You know, that's for you to decide. But it's an obsession and something which I've done for years. So I decided to go back through my annals of newspaper clippings and um, just try and make sense of, you know, who... Paddy Conroy really is, and and um, I dug up a few interesting things. I've, I've got to be perfectly honest. My collection of Conroy cuttings only goes back to 2007, although I have got stuff which, of course, goes back to the conviction um, in and around the same time as Stephen and Michael Sayers went to jail in 96. The Chronicle did a big article about ridding the street of, of these types of people. So from, from my perspective, I've, I've chosen to ignore that one and just concentrate solely on the noughties. Uh, so let's go back to 15, uh, 15 years to 2007. March the 29th, and that is 2007. So bear with us. And it's here. Okay, this one. Um, this has a picture of a paddy, of course, uh, as he featured in the McIntyre documentary. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's not his hand with a knife. I think that's staged by the journalist. But um, in back-to-back -back articles written with Adam Jupp on September the 7th and 8th, um, following this one, uh, Conroy gives his version of the torture of Billy Collier. He says that he has a £100,000 contract on his head and he talks essentially about um, escaping from a hitman. So there is the headlines, as I've described. And this was part two. Confessions of the villain talking about his great escape, of course, uh, from, the, from the police van. The interesting things that, that I found in, in these little articles was, was this. TV taunting of his gangland rivals left underworld hard man Paddy Conroy in fear of his life. The notorious villain boasted on a late night show of his fearsome reputation and his contempt for others. But a court heard how within weeks of his appearance, attempts were made on his life. The 46-year-old then took to arming himself with knives for protection. Conroy, jailed for 11 and a half years for being part of a kidnapped gang which tortured a rival, was caught by police as he returned from home on the school run. Officers who had monitored his TV appearance on Five's Get Conroy show with uh, journalist Donald McIntyre in November had seen him smoking what appeared to be cannabis. 
As a result, they raided his home in Denton Road in Newcastle's West End, and when he returned uh, from dropping his son off at school, uh, they discovered uh, that he was in possession of three daggers. So Newcastle Magistrates Court, he admitted three charges of possessing offensive weapons. And, um, yeah, that just shows, I guess, what was going on just after the McIntyre documentary. So he was carrying three knives to protect himself. And he was clearly smoking a vast amount of cannabis. And he admits that, as, as you'll see as we as we go on. But, yeah, 2007, uh, September 7th and 8th, following on from the article in March 2007, um, basically two front pages talking about his career as a criminal. And ultimately the fact that he feared for his life and that he was walking around with, with three knives. Not an everyday existence, um, I would suggest. He also refers, um, quite interestingly, in this article, to 14 men attacking him. Now, he doesn't say where this is. Um, he simply says that he was attacked uh, by a rival gang. The Conroy family spent years battling with, a rival, with rival gangs across the city. So that's gangs, plural. As part of our exclusive interview, he relived the moment 14 members of an opposition clan cornered him in a city centre street. Conroy said, this gang got around me and we got stuck into it. There was about 14 of them. I got one of them on his knees and as soon as I did that, they were on me, cutting me. At that time it was on, so I didn't feel fear. I would have liked to have avoided it, but what can you do? I was like a trapped rat. <laughs> Quite an explanation, that. Uh, they had a car at the front and a car at the back, so I just went for it. I was stuck and they had knives. I didn't know what to do. This is from a man who was... Quite, you know, who admitted previously that he was walking around carrying three knives. He hadn't know where to run, but Conroy says he did not fear for his life. You don't think about dying. You just want to defend yourself. But I was cautious about getting a knife in my back. Okay, so that in itself is interesting. And it's interesting because he's talked about this in his videos on his channel. And he claims in one of those videos that Stephen Sears was arrested and questioned over this offence. Now, my research shows that this isn't the case. My research also shows that a good friend of Conroy's made a statement against four people, not 14, but four. Now, these four people were all taken in for questioning to four different police stations. You've got it. They were uh, released without charge. So... 14 to 4 is what we've got there. And the fact that he, he says that Stephen Sears was arrested for that when he wasn't, he was never taken in, never questioned, again, is a proof that this guy will just say anything for, for hits and clicks and, and likes, I guess, and to create his own narrative. This... Again, is just another one from that um, article in 2007 where he talks about a hitman. Um, Today, the father of three tells how a £100,000 bounty on his head um, <laughs> makes him paranoid and reveals details of a plot to execute him. He said, I'm on the edge on a daily basis. Every day when I get up, it's hanging over me and it's been like that for a while. It's not nice, but I've learned to cope with it. 
I'm just on my toes all the time. It wears me down, but I don't want uh, I don't want to be there. I just want to relax. Anyway, I just keep going until someone until something gives. Either it has to give at their end, and they wipe me out. Um, yeah, I've heard of the death threats, um, and I got as soon as I got released, the police came to my door to notify me and said that there'd been attempts on my life already from what they had heard, and there was going to be more. They said I should leave my house. Conroy claims the going rate for contract killings is a hundred thousand pound, but has vowed to remain on Tyneside to track down cash he said went missing while he was in jail. He devotes his life to tracing the funds, more than 300,000, but staying put places him in the firing line. In March, Conroy was convicted of carrying three knives after returning from a school run to find police searching his home for cannabis. Newcastle JPs heard that he uh, he had them with him as protection after surviving a murder attempt earlier. Now he reveals details of the botched hit at a secluded farmhouse in Cumbria. He said, they got me in a house on top of the Cumbrian Hills. I went up myself because I knew the lad who'd asked me up there. But they, they set me up. I went in this house. The lad seemed a bit on edge. And with the death threats, I picked everything up. He just seemed a bit on edge. And I hadn't even taken my coat off. Then there was a tap on the window and he jumped like never before to answer the door. I followed him and I was behind him as he was at the front door. He did not know I was behind him and he had a see-through glass piece in the door. And looked to see who it was before opening the door and then stepped aside immediately and let the other man in. That's when the person was more or less face to face with me. He went straight for his inside pocket with his right hand, and I had a knife in my inside pocket too. See, always armed with a knife. So I immediately went for my knife and jumped at them at the same time. The gunman jumped back, so I then used that opportunity and slammed the door shut another second, and he would have been, you know, able to shoot me. I, I, I find all of this bizarre, right? None of this has been mentioned on his videos, um, to my knowledge. Um, obviously, I have a guy who sits and watches them and, and you know, comes up with anything new. But this is all new. And I, this is, I've been sitting on this. I've, I've literally found it. It's not something I was aware of. I've gone back through my records. It's taken us a bit of time. But I find this interesting because this is Conroy in his own words. This isn't me saying something. This is Conroy quoted in the paper. So he's given these interviews. So bear that in mind as we we'll go through some of the other the other stuff but hundred thousand pound bounty on his head for what every time the police raided his house all the found was cannabis as you'll see the subsequent raids go on he goes through a period of this okay um but yeah i find that i find that really really uh bizarre okay next one now this is the first time that the sears get mentioned directly and this is December the 28th, another Conroy exclusive. My feud with the Sears family. I do laugh at that photograph with his fist. I, I really do. Um, okay, so this, <laughs> this makes me laugh. Um, I've never once spoken out of school. My dad brought me up never to talk to the police. I've never gone back on that until I had to defend myself from these murder accusations. First, first time he's mentioned murder accusations. And that is 2010. Okay, so these dates are important. You'll have to watch this back to get me gist of where I'm coming from here. But the fact that he says he never spoke out of school, mm, okay, that, that, he's going to say that. Spar from nowhere, the feud between the Conroy and Sears family. There's no war between the two families. Let me get that straight. There hasn't been a war. It's in his head. He's the only person who says there is a war, right? It's a fallout he had with the Sears. Not the families he had with the Sears. Again, 
They clashed in 2004 when Mr Conroy, now he names them this time, claims he was surrounded in a city centre street by a gang of 14, so he's keeping with a 14, members of the CS clan in which he was knifed in the face. Okay? Now don't forget, um, only four people were arrested and taken in after a statement was given. My research shows that. In another chilling standoff, they came face to face with each other during a prison stint in Whitemore. So now he's claiming that he's had a fight inside Whitemore with John Sears. And he says, I had a fight with Sears in prison. I just arrived and he sent someone to my door telling me he wanted to see me in the exercise yard. I went down and confronted him and we had a chat. Yeah, okay. You've claimed on numerous videos recently that you knocked him out. You broke his jaw. No mention of that in here. When we were both in Newcastle, we went into some of the same bars and we didn't click, but we still got on. Complete confliction of what you have been saying on your videos since December 2020. Complete lies. Complete lies. And that, in your own words, proves it. And I think the fact that the headline screams my feud with the Sears family, okay, you don't write the headlines, but my feud... Not the family feud, your feud. And that really is, you know, what it's all about. Jealousy. Jealousy of Stephen because he's decided to turn his back on crime and write a book. And the fact that you had your book removed from you by that author, who I can't name. The double-page article also claims that you warned... Freddie Knights just weeks before his death that he would be killed. It was the feeling that you had inside information on that, although that case is now done and dusted and people have served time for that and the family's got justice. Um, but a strange thing to, to put out in, in an evening newspaper. He also explains in that that he wants to do a lie detector to clear his name. This is the first time he mentions lie detectors. He also claims that the accusations of murder, uh, jury nobbling and assault have ripped a hole in his life. Now, he's claimed on many of his videos that it was me who destroyed the relationship with his family. It was me who drove a wedge between him and his family. Now, bearing in mind the rest of the stuff that you're going to hear, it's quite obvious that it wasn't me. Um, for starters... I maintain I never run a smear campaign, but the interesting things that show over the, the course of the next set of articles tells you who drove the wedge between himself and his family. January uh, 2011. Drugs raid sparked by rival grudge. And this sees coverage of an appearance in court for possession of cannabis, where he was ordered to pay a £65 fine and a £15 victim surcharge. Uh, as the judge sentenced him, he, he just simply said, that's very fair of you. Just with reference as well, just going back a little bit to the, the night stuff, it you know, just gives you an indication as well of... Uh, his stories about the Sears. So Mr. Sears was cleared of the killing of Freddie Knights while his co-accused were sent to prison on charges of manslaughter. 
Supergrass Errol Haig claimed he made a late-night phone call to the Leeds home of Jura Robert Black in which he threatened his family and offered him £10,000 if he made the right decision. Mr Sayre's legal team during the recent hearing at Woolwich Crown Court claimed the call was concocted by Mr Conroy and here was a cog in the plot to send Mr Sears to prison if, uh, if he was acquitted of planning the gangland style in uh, slain in 2000. Now, Mr Conroy's broken his silence and blasted the allegations, claiming his life has been put on hold. He said, during the Freddie Knight's trial in 2002, I was accused of that murder. He wasn't accused of the murder. He was accused of jury nobbling. Now, he, <laughs> this, is, this is the thing. So go back to that, right? He was accused of jury nobbling. He was accused of being a cog in a plot to send Mr. Sears to prison. Not by the Sears, but by his legal team. Now Mr. Conroy's broken his silence and blasted the allegations, claiming his life has been put on hold. He said, during the Friday night's trial in 2002, I was accused of that murder. And I've been accused of other murders in the past. Okay, so no reference to how many yet. Claims to have been accused of Freddie Knight's murder, which he wasn't, and accused of other murders in the past. Now, bearing in mind, I've written two books about this particular family and case, the Sears family and case, one with Stephen Sears and one on my own. The one that I wrote on my own, Operation Sears, I went through with a fine tooth comb the depositions of the Knight's case. I have read witness statements. I have written, I've um, read... Everything from phone calls that were put in um, straight after the shooting about who the thought people was. And at no time was Paddy Conroy mentioned. He was never roped in, never never brought in for questioning, never accused of the murder. I can prove it 100%. But there in his own words to Dan Warburton, the Evening Chronicle journalist, he claims that he was accused of that murder. That's a lie in black and white in a newspaper. What else is he lying about? What else is he lying about? What he does admit to here is turning up at the Freddy Knight's murder trial, and he was sitting in the he was sitting in the public gallery laughing, sitting in the public gallery laughing, rubbing his hands, and he admits there I was at the Freddy Knight's murder trial in two thousand and two, but he says it was because I knew they were pointing the finger at me for the murder, and again the lie detector test. I'm prepared to take a lie detector test for any of the allegations against me. In court, it was said I hated the Sears, but I've got no reason to hate them, but I'm not happy with them. His words, not mine. Again, bear it in mind. Another one that, that jumps out is where he's talking and boasting about his career, his, his criminal career. And he went on the run to Spain, of course. Uh, I did pick this little gem up um, from, again, his own words. And Paddy Conroy today gives a fascinating insight into his 14 months of hell, fighting for survival in notorious Spanish prisons. The former fugitive fled the UK after escaping from a prison taxi, taking him to Newcastle Crown Court to stand trial for the kidnap and torture of a rival. The attack was said to be revenge for an arson attack on one of Mr Conroy's properties and for the Harrison clan desecrating Conroy's father's grave. Mr Conroy was convicted of torture, kidnap and false imprisonment, along with associate Davy Glover. Mr Conroy, along with co-defendant Glover, broke free on the felon bypass and hopped into a getaway car before lying low for 14 months. He was eventually arrested at gunpoint at Malaga Airport and extradited back to Tyneside to face the charges against him. 
but today reveals his nightmare inside some of the Spain's most dangerous jails. Next line's a classic. He said, this is a direct quote, I was accused of being a rapist in prison. There we go. There were newspaper reports and all sorts of allegations. I couldn't speak Spanish and I was surrounded by all these Spaniards. That's what tends to happen in Spain. There were hundreds of people in the exercise yard and half of the people in the prison yard had HIV. I bought some leather gloves. I bet you had them in your back pocket. Uh, so I could fend them off when they came at me. I got called to see the prison director because he was concerned I was wearing leather gloves in the blazing heat. Mr. Conroy was jailed for 11 and a half years for the kidnap and torture of Collier and a member of the... A member of the rival Harrison family, Collier, had his nostrils mutilated and front teeth pulled out. After escaping the prison taxi, Conroy and Glover went their separate ways with Glover lying low at a caravan park in Whitney Bay. Conroy eventually left Spain before being arrested and thrown into a Spanish jail as his extradition was arranged. Now he's pleading to be left alone so he can focus on his children. He said, I'm trying to bring up my kids. The whole thing has taken over my life. People need to see me. Uh, people see me in the street and think I've murdered people. It's got to have an effect on your life. I was never a bad person. Again, reference to the family, who he caused the misery for with his behaviour and his associations. Nothing to do with me. I wasn't even in the picture at this point. Certainly wasn't any YouTube, which he loves these days to tell his lies. Okay, moving on. August the 2nd, 2011, same year. We see Paddy Conroy back in court again for possession of cannabis. In this article, he admits to uh, smoking cannabis every day and he admits to constant raids once again affecting his family. A 51-year-old in prison for 11 years following the brutal torture of a gangland rival now claims he's been unfairly targeted and claims his family are suffering because of his criminal past. That's his family are suffering which Paddy claims. However, police today defended their actions and said that the fight against crime would continue. Conroy, who repre represented himself, couldn't afford a lawyer, uh, himself during the short hearing, told JPs in Newcastle, I just want to say, it was a very small amount of cannabis and I do smoke it every day. I told the police officers this when they raided me home. <laughs> so there we go. This is in 2011 and he was smoking copious amounts of cannabis then. Um, 11 years on, what the hell's that done to his nabba? Ask yourself that. Okay, moving on. July the 13th, 2011. Paddy Conroy, home raided. Paddy Conroy's house is raided again, and cannabis is once again seized. Conroy, in this article, claims that he's the victim of police harassment, and now says that he has lodged an official complaint. Again, that wonderful photograph. This one is the next reference to um, the lie detector test, March the 6th, 2012. This is the next time he features on the front page. He's got a few front pages of the lad, hasn't he? This time he says he will clear his name with a lie detector test and then he claims that he's been accused of two murders there's no reference to the other seven that he keeps going on about his uh, on his youtube channel as yet um but yes now he claims he's been accused of another one and this is the the piece that, in question 
Uh, Mr. Knights was shot and killed on the doorstep of his mum's Long Benton home in 2000 as he made his way uh, to collect presents for his son. Two years later, Sales was cleared of the slain while his co-accused was sent to prison on charge of the manslaughter. But Supergrass Errol Hay uh, claimed that he made a late night uh, phone call to the Leeds home of juror Robert Black in which he threatened his family and offered him £10,000 if he made the right decision. Sales' legal team claimed the call was concocted by Conroy, just reminding you of this, and Mr. Hay uh, was a cog in a plot to send Sears to prison if he was acquitted of planning the gangland killing in 2000. This is the interesting bit. Conroy, direct quote, said, The Sears family have blamed me for uh, these things, but I've never done anything. I was accused of killing Freddie Knight. Yep, we know that. You've mentioned that one. And now, fellow hard man. And I'm not going to say the name because I did my final piece on him yesterday. You can read it. I'm not going to say it. And once again, rest in peace to him and we son. But significance of that, first time that he's mentioned the second name. That's two. He says he's been arrested and questioned over nine. But that's two names, okay? Very important. Very important in the grand scheme of things. And I know that you, people who believe me and listen to what I've got to say, um, don't need convincing. And I don't really need to do this, but I am a crime aficionado. I'm somebody who's interested in true crime. And I just thought it would be a good video to put out this just to just to show you the inaccuracies that, that lie in his stories from his own mouth. Okay, where we're going next? Um, this one is, now is this St. George? Yes, it is. St. George's Day, April the 23rd, 2012. This one sees Conroy and Bull making the headlines after being arrested and quizzed over threats to murder a woman and a child. Yes, that's right, a woman, a woman and a child, which they both denied. Uh, they were both bailed uh, pending further inquiries. So, uh, yeah. Interesting that that somebody from a uh, a self-imposed member of the child protection unit should even be pulled in on something which you know uh, you know is 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 awful to see. You know, I mean, we don't know the, the the story behind it, but to be even accused of threatening a woman and child, um, I don't think anybody should be anywhere near a child protection team if 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 they've got accusations like that hanging over them. Those ac accusations, however appear to be unfounded uh, in October the 30th, 2012, when we get a beaming Conroy uh, from cover. Conroy in the clear! This sees the uh, Laurel and Hardy-like duo have their charges dropped. He admits again then, in this article, that this is all causing his family stress and they don't deserve this life. Now, we also see him add a new list to the name of murders that he claims to be wanted for. Boom. He's fiercely fought to prove his innocence since slain Newcastle in 1995 when rival Collier was subjected to an attack. And over the past decade, Conroy claims to have been linked to a string of killings on Townside, including the unsolved slaying of and the shooting of playboy Peter Beaumont Gowling. Peter Beaumont Gowling. But he said a lie detector carried out uh, by specialists from London cleared him of the killings and also of the latest accusations. Conroy said, I took a lie detector test and not sure I'm innocent. I just want to be left alone. I'll keep out the chronicle, maybe. Um, so, yes, there we go. 
We've got the name that I won't mention. We've now got Freddie Knight. And now Peter Beaumont Gowland. Go and Google it. I'm not going to go through that story. Um, I've written about it in this year's tried and tested at the highest level. Um, Charlie Cray was pulled in for that one. Um, but was was Paddy Conroy ever interviewed for that? Not in your Nelly like absolute Walter Mitty status with that story. Absolute bull. Um, yeah, but go and Google it. It's an interesting one. But he wasn't. He was never arrested or, or spoken to about that one. Okay, a month later, and you see he's in the papers a lot uh, over this period. Conroy in gun attack terror. Now this one claims that he's been the victim of a shooting attempt. And I'll show you that one there, yeah, that one there. So that shows you the damage to the car. I love the way that the Chronicle do these photographs. You've got him like skulking away there. Like when he was celebrating, got him smiling. When he's angry, fist photo. It's like, you know, they, they know what they're doing, don't they? The Chronicle. Um, okay, so you, you've got the gist of that. And yeah, so a car was shot up. It wasn't, no, but I don't think that was his car. It was a car next to his house. Okay. So anyway, you've seen it already, but I spoiled the surprise. A day later, hard man quizzed by cops after street shooting. So a day later, he's holding himself for questioning with neighbours suggesting, right, that he's done this himself to add to his collection of front page headlines in the Chronicle. You couldn't make it up. Yeah, so he's arrested and questioned over shooting his own car up. Um, again, released without charge. Uh, you know, but it just shows you really the, you know, the, the ends that, that this person would, would go to for a, a bit of publicity, you know. Um, this one. Nothing from 2012 until 2015. Um, I either got bored of collecting stuff based on him or um, there was nothing in there. And I'm, I'm pretty sure he would have been in at some point, but. For some reason, that's where my collection stopped. But then I have got this. And this final cut is from December 2015, where he's complained to Ofcom about Phil Berryman's claim on the TV show were thrown out. Now, using the pseudonym Cordite, and I've mentioned this before, Phil Berryman claims in his own book, which you can get digitally and I think a hard copy, it's called The Wacky Backy Board. It's a hell of a read, really good read, that Conroy was a registered police informer. Okay? But he calls him Cordite in the book. Um... He's also done a documentary. I think it was with Paul Frost, who used to do Look North or Northeast Tonight on ITV, whatever it was called. Um, but the fact that Ofcom threw that out tells you all you need to know. And that is very simply that, you know, there was more than enough proof on Berryman's side and no proof on, on Conroy's side on, on that particular story. Just a couple of other... Uh, clippings. This one here is obviously from that article. Hard man Paddy Conroy has had his complaint against TV show thrown out by a regulator. Former fugitive had complained that the documentary Gangsters Faces of the Underworld had been unfair in its treatment of him. But in the programme aired on June the 21st of this year, County Durham sailor Phil Berryman was charged for allegedly smuggling the uh, biggest ever haul of cannabis uh, onto UK shows 20 years ago, claims he called on Conroy for help when he was involved in a feud in Stockton. Following his aid, Berryman said he was indebted to Conroy, which in turn led to his involvement in the smuggling case. Among other grievances, Conroy complained that an inaccurate view of events portrayed him 
um, as an international drug dealer, something which he's boasted about on his channel, I believe, in recent videos. Um, you know, he seems to revel in it now, yet he complained to Ofcom saying it was bang out of order. Uh, international drug dealer that he threatened to murder children. Well, well you've been arrested for that, mate, in question, but released without charge six months later. And that he had set people up to be tortured. He also argued it was unfair. It was un well, it's unfair. Obviously, I haven't got the top bit there. But Conroy's claims were this week thrown out by communication regulator Ofcom. A report released by the regulator said Conroy's complaint was not being upheld, adding the broadcaster took reasonable steps to satisfy itself that the claims made by Berryman, who calls Conroy a police informer, in the programme were not presented, disregarded or omitted in a way that were unfair. In particular, circumstances of this case and the comments were made in the programme did not amount to significant allegations about Mr Conroy that required the broadcaster to have offered him an appropriate and timely opportunity to respond to them. The report concluded that Ofcom, Ofcom has not upheld Mr Conroy's complaint of unfair and unjust treatment in the programme of broadcast. And then just a, a little bit of history on Conroy. So... That's it, really. I just wanted to share that share that lot with you. Um, and, and finally, just a reminder that Operation Insight, which he regularly mentions, it's it's in some of these video titles. He regularly talks about Operation Insight. Um, he says that it involved nine murders. He said he was pulled in for these nine murders. Well, in all of his own publicity since 2007 to 2015, he only mentions those three names that I've mentioned today. Who are the other six names? Well, one of them is Kicker Minnigan. And as you can see, Operation Insight, and bear in mind I have all the paperwork on this and I did the book on it. Operation Insight comes from Lee Sean Watson's cooperation with the police. So I'm going to read you this page. This is the very first page of Operation Insight. Again, we've done videos on this on my channel and on Stephen's channel. And you can click the links and you can look at the paperwork, your heart's content, because everything is in there. Just search Stephen Sayers Operation Insight on YouTube and you should be able to find it. It'll be in me Sayers playlist. In a series of post-charge interviews, the defendant, Lee Sean Watson, volunteered information in relation to a number of other offences. These revelations were the subject of a separate investigation, Operation Insight, conducted by officers independent of the inquiry into the murder of Freddie Knights. So... Operation Insight examined the following offences. The alleged murder of Clive Kicker Minnigan. Okay, I'm going to start with that because it, they cover it at the bottom there. So one, the alleged murder of Clive Kicker Minnigan. Summary of Watson's account. This is Lee Sean Watson's account. Watson states that he was told by Stephen Sayers that Minnigan was taken from his house, put in the rear of a car and shot as he said that he would inform on John for the part in the Pritchard security robbery. A £25,000 reward had been offered by Pritchard's for information. Okay, now this is already out there. It's already on one of Stephen's videos. This is already out there for the public to take in and read. Okay, the points of corroboration. Clyde Minnigan was last seen on the 1st of October 1986. Second point of corroboration, Minnigan's brother, Alan Minnigan, was jointly charged with Sears with the robbery. Discrepancies. It's not been possible to substantiate Watson's account due to paucity of information, although Minnigan has been reported as missing. So he's missing from home since October 1986. Nobody has ever been found. Operation Insight Assessment. Watson's revelations add nothing substantial to the investigation into the disappearance of Minnigan. So... There is no proof that this person is dead at all. 
Okay? It says he's missing. Obviously, it's an alleged murder. But it's not a murder. And anybody who was on social media and on YouTube saying that it's a murder either has some really good information on this or they are simply speculating for views. And that really is a concern for anybody who is related to this person. I do not know at all why somebody could go onto YouTube and say these things and not be arrested, at least taken in and questioned. And that hasn't happened. And let's remember, by his own admission, in his own newspaper articles between 2007 and 2015, at no time is Minikin mentioned. So he's never been pulled in for it. That could have been one of the extra ones, but none of this adds up. None of it adds up. And anybody, as I say, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a crime connoisseur. I'm somebody who is interested in true crime. I'm not involved in true crime, but I've met a lot of people who've been involved in true crime and done books with them and met them and, you know, uh, done documentaries, whatever. But any man or woman sitting reading and listening to this would go, well, hold on a minute. If you're saying this person is dead, then what do you know? And I, if I was a member of the family, would be wanting to know what the situation was and why he's coming out and vehemently saying this is what the situation is. He needs to be questioned on it. Surely to God. Okay, I'm not going to cover point two of Operation Insight because you can read it, you can see it, and I don't want to mention that person's name anymore. Three, the sending of a letter bomb to Peter Logan Donnelly, who was the Sears' cousin. Four, the shooting of Alan John Harrison, James Somerville and Robert William Aitken in the Star Public House on the 9th of October, 1995. Five, an alleged shooting at a flat in Elzig, Newcastle-upon-Tyne. Six, the shooting of Robert Morton on the 20th of March, 1996. Seven, an alleged conspiracy to murder Robin Phillips Armstrong. Eight, arising out of seven, offences of arson, attempted arson, at First Street Bencham and nine, Kyle Road Bencham. And nine, an alleged conspiracy to cause grievous bodily harm to Jonathan Miller. I always find that one in interesting because he was a dominant legend at the same time as I was. Um, and, you know, I've written about this all in Operation Sears. You can go and buy it on Amazon um, or go and, and order it, you know, you know, through the website, which you can see below, badboysbooks.net. It's a fascinating case. It's a fascinating story. But I'm afraid there is no Paddy Conroy in that story. And anything that he says on this subject is a lie. He's not involved. He was never involved. He was never questioned. And I cannot emphasize that enough. And anybody who sits and watches these videos, and I understand people find them humorous, but please just see through. At least you might, you might not like me. You might support Sunderland, like a few of you do who've been up the shed, and not like me. But please, as somebody who's a, uh, you know, an observer of this, and somebody who's a, an expert on this particular story, I can guarantee you what he's saying is lies. And if he's lying about that, what else is he lying about? What else is he lying about? I'm more interested in discovering the truth behind what Paddy knows about Patrick Morn from Crook. Google him. It makes for an interesting read. Enjoy the rest of your night. Take care. Good night. God bless.